We're so glad that you're here with us this morning, especially those of you who are here for the first time. A uh, group of you from Lamar here for a month. We're glad to have you. Uh, yeah. Very good. Okay. Now, here we go. The very last message in Colossians. Period. Promise. It is. It's our last message. Um, We are in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Our focus in the last two messages in in Colossians had been about the faithful service found in real people. Faithful service in real people. That's what Paul has been doing in this closing section. Just mentioning these real live people and uh, their faithful service in encouragement and in prayer. Uh, And so now we come finally to this message on how we, as God's people, we, as God's people, ought to be faithful to follow through in ministry. Okay, so if you have your outline there, it's in your bulletin, you can follow along with that. Uh, And as we go through this, faithful to follow through, we must remember the overall theme of Colossians. We, we can't, we can't uh, divorce that from this message. We've got to maintain that theme, that reminder. Here's the theme of Colossians. What is the theme of Colossians? It's the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things. And the problem that was looming in that city, in Colossae, were false teachers saying, no, you need something what? You need something more than Jesus Christ for being right with God. Okay? So that theme we must maintain in our our thoughts. And not just maintain the theme in our thoughts, but then the necessary application of the theme in my life. In your life. In other words, the supremacy of Jesus being key, being critical in my life and in my practice. If you're a Christian, if you're saying I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, then the supremacy of Jesus must be there in thought and in action. How do I put that into action? Well, that's what Colossians is about. Telling us different ways and how to do it. Okay? And here, we come upon these last two verses. And again, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I... I, I you know, come to the end of the book and kind of race through it. Oh, it's just these greetings. No big deal. But there's some riches in it if we'll just take the time and look at it more closely. And so, let me read these two verses for you. And you follow along. And we're going to see, really, four keys. Four keys to effective ministry for Jesus Christ. Four keys here. Um, verse 17, he says, Say... To Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Please uh, join me in prayer. Lord, uh, we start this time recognizing that we are uh, in need of your lead. We're in need of you to guide us. Oh, God, please, by your Holy Spirit, please teach us, uh, help us to grow in our faith, help us to put these 
truths into action in our lives. Help us to give you praise and glory no matter what's going on in our lives. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, four keys to effective ministry. And really, each, with each one of these main points in your outline, it's a matter of evaluating it yourself. This, this first one is very basic. There's nothing profound to it other than, um, are, you a, are you in the body of Christ or not? Because, number one, it's about your involvement in ministry. Paul says in this verse, he says, say to Archippus, say it to that guy, Archippus, say it to him, take heed for your ministry. In other words, keep an eye on it. Um, beware of it. See to it that you fulfill it. So Paul, uh, being who he is, he's aware and he knows of this Archippus and he's wanting to encourage him. Involvement in ministry. We could talk a lot about that in our time this morning. But we've got three other points to get to. But involvement is by way of you being truly born again, truly saved. It means if you're a Christian, you are involved in ministry. That's the deduction in it. That's what he's figuring. That's what all the Bible figures. If you're a believer, you're involved in ministry, period. And so he's saying, say it to Archippus. Take heed. Beware, keep an eye on this. And so, being a believer, there's letter A, mutual activity in the body of Christ. Mutual activity in ministry. It's mutual activity. Everyone who's a true believer is involved in ministry in one way or another. And he's saying, Paul is saying, see to it that you do this. And it's interesting that Archippus's specific ministry was not mentioned. wasn't detailed out, was it? He's just saying, make sure you do it. Fulfill it. And really, that opens it up for us to understand, yeah, we're put in that place, in this passage. You, as a Christian, you're put in that slot. Paul saying to you, take heed to your ministry, fulfill it. Do it. Okay. Mark down 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, it, it tells us about the working of the body of Christ or the, the group of believers, if you'll put it that way. Paul used that illustration of the body. Okay, And so the body works together. It's supposed to be coordinated. Working together, hand in hand, Foot with foot, not foot in mouth, but walking and talking and doing things in a coordinated way. That's what ministry is supposed to look like. And God has placed the, the believer in the body of Christ to function in that way. So mark down 1 Corinthians 12 and take a look at that. And the idea here is, with the, the idea of involvement, mutual activity. It's not just one gun not just the Lone Ranger in ministry. It's all members. Okay? All members. I, 
I can't help but think, you know, and um, I enjoy sports. And it's great to see when a team works as a team. And they're not depending on one, you know, one guy, the superstar. There's a team effect. And it's, it's, that's the way the support, the sport's supposed to be. Right? It's a team effort. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is getting at. It's not just the hot shots, Chuck Swindoll or Charles Stanley or John MacArthur. God bless them and God thank you for these men in in Christianity that help us and, and, and encourage us and really give a, a great message and all those things. But you, ordinary you, ordinary me, we're a part of body, the body of Christ and therefore serve Him. Minister in that way. And if not, if you are not involved and now all of a sudden you're feeling, oh, the pastor's talking about me and I'm not involved in ministry. Okay. Just do it. Just start getting involved. Helping out. Start. It doesn't mean, oh, we got him for life now in that slot. Yes. It doesn't mean that. At least you get involved in, in some way and start seeing where God would have you keep going and keep ministering, keep serving. And when I say that, ministry, it does, it's not supposed to have the effect of, well, next week you're going to be up front teaching. Horror of horrors. No, you don't have to think that. But somehow, some way, getting involved in helping, getting involved in ministering, serving in a way that you know, I can, I can do this with God's help, right? It's not just mutual activity, but letter B, it's mutual accountability. Mutual accountability in ministry. Whether it's big, big stuff or little stuff. Mutual accountability. Look at that phrase in verse 17. Who's Paul talking to? He's not talking to Archippus, is he? No, he's saying, say to Archippus. He's talking to the whole body of believers there at Colossae. He's saying, hey, you, you, you group of believers, you say to them, take heed to your ministry. Fulfill it. What's going on here? It's like, let's gang up on Archippus, right? Everyone, you know, it's like, okay, uh, Mike Parrish. It's like everyone, you know, get on Mike Parrish and... Keep fulfilling that ministry, brother. No. It, the idea is it's encouragement. Maybe, we don't know, but maybe Archippus was having a bit of a hang-up or a problem. We don't know. But thus, here's Paul saying, we as a group, we want to encourage him in this way. When you are out and about... Um, do you, you see people from our, our church here, do you know what they're involved in? Do you, do you connect them with the ministry and do you encourage them? You know, some of you might not know who's involved in, um, like, here's the Awana ministry starting up Wednesday night. And you, you talk to, um, you know, Carl Lunderstadt on a regular basis. Do you even know he's involved in being the commander of the Iwana ministry, you know, encourage him. Better yet, join him. Help out. 
you know, here this morning, you saw Jenny Harrell come up and share about Child Evangelism Fellowship, CEF. And be involved, help out. Okay? It's getting involved in ministry and it's a mutual activity. Every believer, young and old, and a mutual accountability. Accountability is a good thing when it's done right. And a lot of times you go on in ministry and you have no accountability partner and, you know, that's not good. It's important to have someone that you call alongside and say, help keep me accountable in this ministry. Okay? All right. So that's involvement. And we just scratched the surface on it. But uh, let's move on to number two. Second thing to evaluate is your motivation. Your motivation. Verse 17, again, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you, listen, which you have received in the Lord. Okay? So it's very important for each one of us to evaluate this. What's my motivation? I'm involved in ministry. What's my motivation? Is the pastor just a really good persuader and twisting your arm to get you involved in ministry? And so, therefore, what's your motive in doing it? Well, the pastor asked me to do it. <laughs> or the, you know, whoever. The, the, the idea is we've got to get down to the bottom of things. The motivation for ministry is not for status. It's not for others. It's not for family tradition. It's not for the pastor and the elders and the deacons. It's for Jesus Christ. It's the ministry you've received in the Lord. You say, whoa, uh, how do you go about figuring that one out? Get involved. Just do it. Just start doing things. Just start helping out where you can. God can guide you. God can, you know, you know, say, okay, here, you know, they're involved. Well, I'm, I'm going to, now that you've had this experience, I'm going to get you, move you over here to this ministry. Okay. But as we contemplate motivation in ministry, again, whether it, it might be a, what seems to be insignificant or really important and, and very responsible, doesn't matter. What's your motive in ministry? And we start with letter A, love for Christ. Love for Christ. Here's the priority. Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians, we mentioned 1 Corinthians 12. Now we're going to go to the very next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I, re- if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. He's just gone through... Three verses here saying, here's, here's the motive of ministry. Don't do it for status. Don't do it for show. Don't do it for this or that. Do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our mark, brother and sister in the Lord. It's our mark to love. It's our badge. It's our authentication of being genuinely believers. And thus, our ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ should be thick and deep with that motive. His love. Okay? 
even in Colossians, you know, here we are wrapping up the book of Colossians. Turn back a couple of pages and look at chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 1, verse 4. He says, we, uh, verse 3, he says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in, in Christ Jesus. And we've heard this, the love which you have for all the saints. There's a motive in ministry, right? Okay. Letter B. Ministry ought to exalt Christ. And these are, again, for many of you, these are basic things about ministry. Ministry ought to result with exalting Christ, not just, I did my duty. Ministry ought to exalt in lift, uh, Jesus, Christ, lifting Christ up. Now, if you'll just mark these down, we're not going to take time to look at them, but Colossians 1.15 talks about, and again, we're talking about the context of this letter. Colossians 1.15 talks about the power of Christ. Okay, because of the power of Christ, you go on in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1, it's talking about Christ's position above all. He's above all. And then verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18, in Colossians gets to his preeminence. Not that he's just prominent, but he has preeminence in my life. Okay, that's an an important distinction. And all of us, as believers in Christ, we need to have that distinction. Christ is prominent, but not just prominent in my life. He's preeminent in my life. And therefore, when I get involved in ministry, what ought to bleed out of me? What ought to flow out of me? If he's preeminent, what, you know, it ought to be Christ. So, love for Christ, exalt Christ in ministry, let us see growth in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 moves on to say, so walk in Him. What is that getting at? Your growth, your maturity. Keep walking in the faith. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Walk in Him. Verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and being now being built up in Him. That's a picture of maturity. Ministry ought to show forth that aspect that there's growth, there's maturity in Christ. Letter D, it just moves on here. Faithful service to Christ. One of our memory verses, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do what? All in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to Him through, the, through God the Father. Okay? There's faithful service. Right? Also, Colossians 3.23 and 24. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, do your work heartily. That, I, I, I want to, I don't want to be a, a dud when it comes to ministry. You want to be a dud when it comes to ministry? I guess what comes to mind is, it's, you know, the idea of a, here's a, a firecracker or something. And you light it and it, and it's a dud. But it's a, it's a firecracker. But it's a dud. And when I think of that idea of do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Don't be a dud. When the Spirit of God lights it up, you know, explode. Do your thing, you know. We got Bible studies here. We got groups meeting together, you know, around the, the Word of God. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord. 
Ya. <laughs> okay. Matthew 25, verse 21. You can mark it down. Matthew 25, verse 21. You are faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. That principle is very clear from Jesus himself that it doesn't matter what you start with. Be faithful with the the little few things. And God will give you more in that way. Being responsible in more. Okay? Faithful service. It's just like Jesus. What Jesus accomplished. I want to read this little story here. This, this is a good parallel to ministry. What ought to happen in ministry. You're probably familiar with the biography of Helen Keller. It's the moving story of the deaf and blind girl who would have grown up severely disadvantaged if it had not been for the compassionate woman named Annie Sullivan. When the two of them met, young Helen was in a cage and would only growl at her new teacher. But Annie, nearly blind herself due to a childhood fever, worked with Helen on every aspect of her life. Perception, recognition, personal habits, manners, and speech. In time, the two of them became inseparable partners. By the time Helen reached adulthood, she was a changed woman. She was communicating efficiently, eating by herself, taking care of her personal needs. Annie Sullivan had brought about an absolute transformation in her protege, helping her to become an educated, self-sufficient woman. What you may not know about the story is that Annie Sullivan later experienced her own life crisis. When she suffered a relapse of her previous childhood condition, she became completely blind. Ironically, the miracle worker was in need of someone to help her. Can you guess who stepped forward to fill that role? Helen Keller, the recipient of Annie's encouragement and instruction, extended her hand to her former mentor, Helen was able to give back to the very one who had given her so much. Well, that's what it's like in ministry. And it's not so much because of you that someone's involved in ministry. It's because of the one who rescued us. You alone can rescue. You alone can save. We do it out of love for Christ, out of wanting to exalt His name, out of just the issue of wanting to grow and mature in our faith. Not just to stay at that point like Jenny was mentioning in her testimony here. Just to know that she had a Savior. No, now it's a matter of growing in the Lord. And if you're not involved in those kind of ways, you're, you're stuck. You're, you're like that dud of a firecracker. And we need to get involved in ministry and see what God does. Watch what God does. And it prompts you on to further faithful service. Okay, number three. The next thing to evaluate, according to what Paul is writing here in verse 17, is your diligence. Your diligence in ministry. And the idea comes down to this. You, that you may fulfill it. That you may fulfill it. And that word is in the present active subjunctive in the Greek. Meaning, 
you keep on fulfilling it. You keep on, present active. It just continues on. Being this way, you're wanting to continue fulfilling your ministry. All too often in our American culture, listen, in our American culture, we have too many people coming around saying, oh, I've reached it and I, I already served. I already did that. And the, okay, that's okay. You might be a little um, behind the speed of Awana, let's say. And you might not be up with it and all. That's okay. You don't have to get in a, in a wanna. But don't go around saying, well, I've done my thing. I don't need to serve anymore. There's no age limit here. God's never said, hey, you, you're done at 65 or 70. That's never said. And so you keep ministering, keep serving. Just get involved. Okay? And now, this diligence that we're talking about, it's really based on the theme, letter A, based on the theme of Colossians. You get that? What's the theme of Colossians? The supremacy of Christ. In other words, that God has brought about fulfillment in Christ. There's nothing that needs to be added. You cannot add anything to what Jesus Christ did. And so we take it in, we take to heart this theme and apply it to ministry that you've received and we see how this is Archippus's and our encouragement to continue faithfully at your ministry to fulfill means to get at the, um, it's getting at this idea of completion, making full, filling up, uh, or to furnish liberally in ministry. Some of you have served um, in faithful ways in Sunday school over the years. And you, in that, you, you, during your week of preparation, you would think of ways to make it creative and all that. That's, I see that as, that's an extra step there of trying to make it more special for your children that you're teaching. And that's good. That's what we mean behind diligence. It's not just, oh, I got my lesson down. I, I did it here Sunday morning at seven o'clock. But I've been working on it. I've been letting God you know, work it over in my heart, in my life. And I want to share it now with the kids. The, that kind of diligence. So letter A, it's based on the theme of Colossians, right? That here's Christ. He's the, the fullness of God. Right? And then letter B is this idea of you and I as servants, as ministers, being filled full through the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Being filled full is that you and I are saying, you know what, I know that time in the Word and time in prayer and time with my Savior is going to make a big difference. Rather than just mental knowledge, it's time with my Savior. It's time spent with Him, having Him speak to my heart through His precious Word, bringing forth praise and thanks from my heart to Him. And when ministry is done this way, okay, this best enables you, Christian, to fulfill ministry. When, it, when you have that idea that it's a matter of being filled full with Christ, that's what Colossians is getting at, is that you as a believer would be filled full with Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else will matter. Nothing else can help but Jesus. Would you turn in your Bible 
Keep your mark here in Colossians and turn to Psalm 81. This is one example of what we're getting at here. Psalm 81, starting at verse 8. Psalm 81, verse 8. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you would listen to me, let there be no strange God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I, the Lord, am your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Look at what it says there. What is it saying? Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And all too often, we're not opening wide our mouth so that God can fill our lives with true satisfaction. I've said it before, and you know it, most of you know it, We go chasing after things that do not satisfy, that we think will satisfy, but do not. And we need to be saying, oh God, please help me to just stop that and turn away from that and and come open wide my mouth and that you would fill it. That's what God wants to do in your life. Is that you would see the great value of, The surpassing value of Jesus Christ above all else. And what does this world do? The world keeps trying to pull pull things down and make it not such a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. No, we need to exalt Christ. And we need to see Him high and lifted up. He will fill you full. That's what you and I were made for. You know that. That's what we were made for. Yeah, we work hard at our jobs, do well in school, all these responsibilities. But above all, we need to say, Jesus, fill me full with you. And and clean out the stuff that doesn't please you, dear God. If you're a believer, you know there are certain things you're doing or saying that do not please God. And you are responsible to say, no more. I'm not going to, I don't want to go there again. I don't want to do that again. You know what? Ministry involvement is not going to perfect everything, but it's sure going to send you in the right direction in your life. Many of our college students over the past 15 years, many of them have gone off to college and they've not stayed in the right direction. They've been swayed off course. And now they're in, they're just you know they're not living for the Lord. It's a matter of worldliness over godliness. Young people, we want to encourage you in this way. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's diligence. Diligence in ministry. Okay, so number one, your involvement, evaluate it. Number two, your motivation. Evaluate that and the different aspects. Am I doing this for the love of Christ and to exalt Him? Number three, your diligence. It's based on the theme of Colossians and it's being filled full with Jesus. Finally, number four. You're back in Colossians chapter 4, verse 18. Point number four, we see in verse 18. I, Paul... Write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. 
Number four is evaluate your outlook. Evaluate your outlook or evaluate your perspective. Okay? What is it? Are you the uh, Eeyore? <laughs> are you the spiritual Eeyore? Hey, are you Tigger? And I'm not trying to say you got to be like Tigger, but it provides a bit of a contrast here. You don't need to be like Tigger, okay? Can you imagine a congregation full of Tiggers? Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Sorry. But please, please don't go after Eeyore's example. Your outlook. See, this is about our perspective. And Paul, at this moment now, Paul takes the pen, if you will. Paul's typically got an amanuensis who's writing for him. But at this point, Paul takes a pen and kind of gives his signature. Saying, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. There it is. But you know what he does? He also gives his signature statement. Remember my imprisonment. This is one of the things he was told by the Holy Spirit. You, you know, chains and afflictions are going to follow you wherever you go. How do you like that for signing up for Christianity? Yeah. And we have to ask, well, why does he say, remember my imprisonment? We want to try and answer that here as we wrap this up. So your outlook, your perspective, number four. And letter A is shackled. What if you were shackled? What if you were chained? What if you were bound? What kind of testimony would I have? What kind of testimony would you have? Now, I hope you see what's coming. I hope you get... Here's what's coming, because this is a great challenge. Remember my imprisonment. Why? That we remember, if we remember his imprisonment, that we would remember that nothing external, nothing circumstantial, nothing can hinder the gospel ministry. Nothing. And Paul is the example of it here. He was in chains. He didn't have his freedom. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. And yet look at what is accomplished through a servant who keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Look at what's accomplished. And we, we say, wow, Paul is an amazing guy. Yes, he is. And I say he is because... Jesus lives and so does Paul. <laughs> Mark down Philippians chapter 1 as a reference here. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Listen, listen to this passage. Now I want you to know, brothers, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more 
courage to speak the Word of God without fear. And I fear that it's not hit us. I fear that it's not hit you and I. His, Paul's imprisonment has not really made a big effect on our lives. Why? Because you and I typically are not confident and bold to preach the gospel. And we need that kick. We need that kick. I need that kick. You need that kick. To say, I want to share Christ and the gospel with my friends. Sharing that I go to church is nice, that's fine. But that doesn't send the message of the gospel. And we need to know the gospel message so that we can share what God has done in Christ. What it boils down to is Paul is chained. Paul is uh, he's bound. And yet Paul still has a love for the lost. And it can be the two guards to his side that he's constantly talking about and with. Okay? Letter B is the other side of the perspective is unshackled. You're either shackled or you're unshackled here in this kind of setting. None of us have been chained up for the cause of Christ. And so all of us fall under letter B. We're all unchained, unshackled. We've got privileges. We're free. We're able. We're equipped. And what has it produced? What do we have to show for our freedoms? What do we have to show for our privileges? What are the results of our chain-free condition? Listen, what does God produce in trials? James chapter 1. What does He produce in trials? Endurance. Right? So that we would keep our faith in Him, our eyes fixed on Him. And we need to remember that if there are no difficulties in life, like here's Paul's chains, those are difficulties. But if there are no difficulties in life, there's not going to be any triumphs in life. Now, then then he calls out at the end of verse 18, grace be with you. Grace be with you. Okay, so... Here we go. We transition into communion time with these words. Remember, Christian, if you're saying you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are complete in Him. You're complete in Him. If you were to die right now, if you're in Christ, you're accepted in heaven. It's clear. It's free. It was a great cost to God, great cost to Christ. But if you're His child, it's a done deal. You're complete in Christ. You're ready for heaven. The point is, you and I are still here, and God wants us to grow and mature in our ministries, in our lives, in our relationships, in our talk, in our thinking, all of those areas. He wants us to mature. But listen... All because of Colossians and our study in Colossians, all of God's fullness is found in Jesus Christ. 
That's why we get upset and bothered when we hear of cults that teach otherwise, that Jesus had to become God. That's wrong. He was always God. That's why we get upset when we hear of teachings that belittle Christ to make Him into something that He really wasn't. In Christ is the fullness of God. He didn't have to do something extra. He didn't have to go to the cross to be called deity. No. He is God in the flesh. And you need to believe on Him. If you've not come to faith in Christ, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be right with God and to look for eternity with Him. It's not based on what you or I do. It's based on what Christ has already accomplished. Uh, Our response is a response of faith. Faith says, I recognize my sin, I turn from it, and I, I claim what is already done for me at the cross. Warren Wiersbe said this, little quote, We do not live and grow by addition, but by appropriation of whatever is found in Christ. We don't live and grow by addition. We grow and live by appropriation of all of whatever is found in Christ. When it comes to ministry, it really doesn't matter what you do, whether it's big or small. What matters is, is there love for Christ? Is it, are you exalting Christ in what you're doing? Well, as we now focus on the Lord's table, let me first say, there are many of you here in this room who have been and continue to be involved in ministry. God bless you. God make His face to shine upon you. Praise the Lord for what He's doing. And as we continue to faithfully serve Him here in the ministry, that's what we want to do, is encourage one another in that way. And then secondly, I encourage you, Do your ministry, do your service, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Evaluate what you're doing. Refine what you're doing for God's glory. You do it out of, here's the guidance of the Word of God in my life. You do it with Him as your your exclusive soul motive in life. Let's do it for His honor, for His glory. And then last, what I want to say is if you're not involved in ministry, don't delay anymore. Get involved. God's calling is there to be discovered and applied. If you're not involved in serving Him and ministering for Him, I would say you're wasting your life on material things. You're wasting your life on things that really don't matter to God. And so therefore I encourage you, Invest in things that are eternal. Yeah, you still have your job. Of course. You still have your schoolwork, whatever. You do your best in that. But in serving the Lord, get involved. Start doing it. Invest your life in God's kingdom. And then, what is Jesus worthy of? What is He worthy of? Right? 
Is he worthy of a little portion? Or is he worthy of all? He's worthy of all my praise, all my, all my best. And what are you giving him? As we think now on the elements, okay? We need to remember, there's nothing mystical or mysterious about